Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Chuck, are you uh, still blocked by Ben Roethlisberger's Twitter account? I guess I guess it's not his Twitter account. It's like for his page. But for a yeah, long time, say, he blocked everybody. Yeah, they say it's not his Twitter account. At one point I was, but I'm not blocked anymore. So. Yeah, I know, man. We're, like he, he went on a blocking spree for years, years upon years. All of us got blocked and then something happened. Uh, he may block you. Uh, I don't know. After after today. Uh, you, you are calling for him to retire in the Forbirds. This is not exactly your hottest take. I think anyone who's seen him uh, has it probably feels a little bit the same way. Uh, he's just been broken. Awful. Just yeah. broken. Uh, just terrible. Uh, we'll dig in a little bit on that uh, as we go here. This is The Counter. I'm Chris Corman, joined by Charles McDonald. We work at For the Win. Uh, we're going to go through Charles's... Uh, weekly Tuesday column, the four verts, uh, which is also where you will find him on Twitter at four verts. Uh, we're going to go through that. He makes four observations. He's got the Ben Rosberger one in there. We're going to talk about the Panthers defense. Uh, one of the more exciting defenses to emerge. I don't think anyone saw, I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody saw it coming, but I don't remember many people talking about it heading into the year. Uh, really one of the fun stories that is, um, sort of evolved as the season's gone on. We'll talk about the Justin Fields uh, debut game, I guess. I mean, really his his first start and uh, how awful Matt Nagy's game plan was just uh, an abomination. Uh, And we'll try to figure out the the Raiders a little bit. And then we're going to go through every game from week three. Uh, You know, we're starting to get to that point of the season where uh, you can probably put some trust in what you're seeing and what the numbers are saying, right? I mean, we're we're there. We're, I feel like we're there now. We're, t- we're turning toward October. Uh, so, you know, we can start really separating out the teams and, and sort of figuring out the map for the rest of the season. So uh, that's the plan for the show. Uh, Charles, you led with the, the Panthers defense in your – uh, in the four verts, but I'm actually I'm going to kick it. Let's let's do Roethlisberger first because yeah. uh, this is just such a you know I mean we've been talking about it for months upon months. I you know certainly last year we said oh man this guy just looks cooked, but we we were sort of giving the caveat that he was coming off what was it elbow surgery, uh, and so maybe. Uh, maybe there was like he would be able to get back to some semblance of his former self. And that's a that's a bad bet to make with a guy who is as old as I am uh, you know, like that. Those those ligaments and things don't quite heal and get back to where they are. They should be. And that's what we're seeing with Ben Rosberger. He's just I mean, the guy is not he's it's embarrassing at this point. Uh, you know, you, you posted it in here. The the uh, our old pal Stephen Ruiz put together a, a, a 
a Twitter video with uh, some clips of Ben throwing and he uh steven he used like a sepia toned uh filter so that it looks like old-timey football <laughs> uh, <laughs> back when there barely was a forward pass and yeah. and that's what it looks like man uh it's just been terrible i'm 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 also dead serious when i say that he should retire like right now uh well, yeah he gains nothing by just continuing to do this yeah and i just i just think that it's kind of bizarre that yeah, we think of the Steelers as one of the smarter organizations right. in the league, and like, they couldn't see what we were all seeing last year, where uh, even when they were, what, I think like 11-0 or, or 12-0 or something you know, along those lines, it's not like they were there because of Ben Roethlisberger. Right, you know, they great defense. Right. And, and they got and, lucky. They, they had like just unbelievable luck on offense. Yeah, uh, and also on the flip side of the defense, they got a, a ton of turnovers too, so. Right. Uh, it's just kind of crazy that they were okay with kind of running that on repeat because everyone saw that that just wasn't going to be good enough uh, late in the season when they got to the playoffs and when even while they were winning, it's not like they were getting uh, a whole lot out of their passing offense. So it wasn't as bad as it was this year, and I guess they were kind of running with the idea that you know another year removed from this elbow surgery, he'll be better and ready to go, but. I just feel like that that at, even at the time it's kind of a big risk to take with someone that is this old and, and on you know ba- basically approaching forty years old, uh, and it's not the same forty year old that uh, Tom Brady is dealing with. It's, right, right. It, it, this this looks closer to like how you expect a quarterback to age. Right, and Ben just can't do anything out there. Yeah, and, you know it's not even like they're putting up like the worst passing stats in the league. You know even just by uh, adjusting their yards per attempt. They're only 26 in the league, uh, which is better than the Falcons, Patriots, Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets, and Bears. So, you know, it's not the worst, but when you watch it, it feels so bad because Ben can't do anything. He can't move. The offensive line isn't very good. And he just kind of refuses to play like any aggressive, you know, a- any sort of aggressive style of football. I mean, the worst play to me was, uh, you know, towards the end of the game when they're trying to mount some comeback. And they throw a fourth and ten swing pass to Najee Harris, and he catches the ball three yards behind the line of scrimmage and gets crushed for like a minus one uh, gain on the play. And it's not a screen pass; it's a swing pass. So there are no blockers in front. It's supposed to be like your last little, uh, you know, like in theory, like in that situation, especially in fourth and ten, it's supposed to be like your last option. Like you know, things aren't open downfield. Let's drop it off to the running backs to even get anything going for. Uh, maybe surprise first down, but Ben just took the snap and just threw it over there. And, you know, Najee was immediately hit by like five Bengals defenders before he even got to the line of scrimmage. So it's tanking the entire offense. It's not even giving them a chance to be competitive. He's putting his receivers in harm's way a lot. He's not really trying to throw the ball down the field. It's like, it's just like watching, you know, a husk of what used to be a pretty good quarterback just stand out there. And really, it only seems like he's out there maybe to get a paycheck, which, hey, I'm not above that, but the Steelers need to figure out what's going on next for them because right now it's ugly. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point that the Tom Brady's still playing and playing well at his age probably really skews the fact that like you know, 6 7 years ago, you would have if you saw a 38, 39, 40-year-old quarterback, you would have been like, "Whoa, that's that's pretty old." Like this is not this is not unprecedented. This is not unexpected. Like the the Steelers should have seen this coming. Uh, like you said, they probably were a little 
uh, blinded by their success last year, maybe to just how much Roethlisberger had fallen off. And then it just seemed like there's like a lot of reticence uh, from the organization to quote unquote embarrass him by bringing in somebody else to compete. You know, there, there were options in the off season, right? Like not great options. The Steelers picked like, I don't know, 24th, 23rd, somewhere in there. So they weren't probably going to find a, 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 you know, an NFL ready guy at that spot in the draft, but there were things they could have done uh, to at least bring somebody like, I don't know, at least bring in like, Mitch Trubisky, you know, like uh, like somebody that you, like you need a warm body. They 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 took a flyer in Haskins. I, it's unclear how much faith they have in actually putting him out there. Rudolph sucks. I mean, he's terrible. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's bizarre. Maybe they should have gone with the like the Minshew trade route. Where yeah, like, I mean, even right, like even Andy Dalton. You know, we make fun of Dalton starting starting for the. Uh, for the Bears a lot, uh, but that's a totally different situation, right? Andy Dalton with this Steelers defense and like just sort of facilitating probably gives this team a much better chance, right? Like he's able to still do quarterback things where he's not. Ben Roethlisberger is like not only not elevating any other players in his offense, he's drag he's actively dragging them all down, right? And like Andy Dalton at least is probably at this place where he's not super elevating, but he's making the offense work to whatever degree it can based on the talent around it. Um, so it just seemed like, I, you know, I don't know, like that's the, that's the tough thing to figure out here. Like you said, the motivation is Roth. Why is Roethlisberger doing this? Like everybody knows he was a good quarterback. He was a tough quarterback. Like, I don't think anyone questions his toughness. He, we all, we've all seen him get knocked over 50 times in a game and keep playing. Like, it's just not really clear why he's doing it and why the Steelers didn't take more evasive action to to be prepared for what sure felt inevitable. You know, like the, yeah. this this spot was coming. It's it's a rare miss for one of the better franchises that you just think always has it together and has really felt like for so long that they've had a Super Bowl window just because Tomlin's a really good coach. Roethlisberger was okay, uh, and they they could always be in the discussion. And now, I'm not sure what the what does the future hold. I mean, is this team going to be bad enough? Like this QB class coming up is, I don't think it's very good. good, right? Good. Uh, yeah. So uh, I mean, you're talking about Spencer Rattler or Malik Willis as your your top guys. Rat- right. I, I mean, I I haven't seen. Willis at all, just to be fair. Uh, I'm not going to sit around and see trial Liberty football games on a, <laughs> uh, but I, I've seen, I've seen most of Spencer Rattler's games just, uh, you know, so far this season. And I mean, you're talking about a guy who looks like he would have been like QB five time with Mac Jones or QB six in this oh, previous yeah. class as, no uh, you know, I, I mean, a person like, I don't even think he's close to, you know, guys like Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, or certainly Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence coming out of college. So it, it's just kind of bleak. And, and I mean, you know, not to make it about, you know, the Falcons too, but the Steelers and the Falcons, like they're kind of in this similar territory. Obviously, I, like, I think the Steelers roster is better. Uh, but, you know, you kind of have you're, – you're in the danger zone of wasting some of these expensive contracts over the next couple of years if you can't get competent quarterback play. And right now, like, it, it just seems like that's going to be pretty uh, difficult to find – uh, 
over next year's draft, and then we, if you even if you want to look ahead to the uh, 2023 NFL draft, which is kind of crazy because that's so far away, but that Clemson quarterback, DJ, oh, man, I, I feel bad about messing up his last name, uh, but, you know, yeah. the, the big dude uh, right. at Clemson, he doesn't look anything remotely like he did last year where he fills in for Trevor Lawrence for that Notre Dame game after Trevor Lawrence uh, tested positive for COVID, and it looked like they are about to just keep rolling on with these franchise quarterbacks coming out of Clemson, but he just does not look the part right now. The Clemson has uh, legitimately one of the worst passing offenses that I've seen from a Power 5 school uh, in quite some time, and, and now they're not even you know considered to be a playoff team. So right. the quarterback landscape in the future uh, it looks a little bleak, and if you're a team with a, a veteran quarterback, you are really going to have to be creative about how you can fill that void in the next couple of years. Right, and that's the concerning thing for Steelers fans is – We've talked so much on this show about uh, when you're going to rebuild and reload, like it all sort of has to be in rhythm, right? We spent so much time harping on the the Falcons, uh, like what were they doing this offseason? You know, they get like it's just so hard to figure out what they were trying to do. They brought in a new coach. uh, They they picked a tight end with the number four pick. Like that's sort of like a a we're we're going for it a little bit type move there and uh you know bypassed a a potential a couple of potential qbs of the future um and it's just like now we're sitting here wondering like how are they going to make this happen and the steelers are now in the same spot where like it all has to be in rhythm right like you if you're gonna if you know you're gonna pick a young quarterback you have to have some things around him right like you got you have to have good players to throw to you have to have uh offensive linemen to block for him and you have to have your contracts in the right place right because you get that window until that quarterback is going to get paid a huge amount of money uh, and that's really like the name of the game in uh building an NFL team now it's managing that process and the Steelers like their timeline now is just a mess like and and they're gonna have to do so much to rebuild to, to even get to that point where they can start moving forward figuring out who the next guy is at quarterback yeah um, so uh let's let's go from here to the uh speaking of quarterbacks and weird timelines and not understanding what a franchise is doing and what a coach is doing the uh, Justin Fields and Bears situation. I, I did not think that we could possibly get more frustrated than we were. We were frustrated that Justin Fields was not getting the chance to play. He got the chance to play and it was somehow worse because Matt Nagy's game plan was ludicrous. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, the, the Browns are very good. The Browns have a, a, a nasty defensive line. Like I get it. It was a challenge, but the way that he held Justin Fields back, Justin Fields, who, he, I mean, was at Georgia. Like, he's he was the number one recruit coming out of high school. Uh, he went to Georgia, like, played at Ohio State. This dude has been in huge situations. Like, he was ready for much more. And he was just, like, tied up. I mean, what, what the Bears were doing just did not give him any chance to succeed. It was just the game plan was terrible. It was, it was everything about it just made no sense. Yeah, it was all so bad. And it and you kind of had just like the perfect storm of crap to get uh one passing yard for the entire game. I mean the Bengals or not the Bengals, the, the Brown not by the Brown, I'm running through all the bad B teams. Uh, <laughs> uh they they were one you have Matt and Aggie just spaced out like the entire game or something like that and uh 
they kind of left Jason Peters on the island for the most part of the game against uh, Miles Garrett. And, you know, if you're familiar with Jason Peters offseason, basically like three weeks ago, he was sitting on a boat in the middle of some lake fishing and enjoying his life. And Bears like, hey, we need you to come play left tackle. And I mean, if they're going to offer you money, shoot, why not come out and, <laughs> and get that done? But now you have a 39 year old Jason Peters who, you know, doesn't really look like he's in shape for the season is uh, out here blocking Miles Garrett in one-on-one situations. And uh, that goes about, you know, how you would expect it to go. Uh, he was way too slow on most of the snaps, uh, just getting torched outside. And they never really did anything to counter it, whether it was, right. you know, six-man protections, moving the pocket, rollouts, just trying to get a, another body on Miles Garrett. They just kind of did nothing. Uh, right. So – you already have a major talent disadvantage. And, I mean, Davion Clowney, he got in the backfield uh, a handful of times too. Major talent disadvantage. Then you have uh, a coach who was just kind of asleep at the wheel and not doing enough to mitigate that. Uh, three, the Browns' defensive backs had the Bears receivers in absolute hell. I mean, even the plays where Justin Fields could get a pass off, it wasn't like that there were really very many windows for him. Denzel Ward. Uh, looked like, like prime Darrell Rebus out there against Allen Robinson. Like, it was really something to behold. Like, if you're a fan of defensive back play, I would definitely uh, encourage you to check out that game. And then four, there were definitely times where Justin Fields held onto the ball too long uh, and got sacked. I, I clipped all nine sacks, and I put them in the uh, the article uh, yeah, in the Bears section, and you can just kind of see it's everything. It's the rookie quarterback. It's the bad offensive line. It's the bad game plan. Uh, the DBs are holding up well, and you just kind of get the perfect storm to end up with one passing yard. And I think they finished the game with like less than 50 total yards. So like it's one of the worst offensive performances that you will ever see. But I still think that most of the blame needs to go towards Matt Nagy for just not doing anything to help. Right, right. This is an extension of what we were talking about. We were trying to figure out like why keep Justin Fields, like why do, why why take the conservative route here? Why like keep him on the bench? Why play Andy Dalton? Why uh, sort of uh, take the low, uh, low ceiling, high floor option? You know, like you know, sort of know what you're getting. Like this is just it. Why do that? And then finally he gets forced to play fields and he installs the, a game plan that is that, you know, instead of like, just like, like get him on the move. Like you said, like just do, do a bunch of wacky stuff with him. You know, you have these disadvantages at all these key spots. You know, you're not going to be able to beat them straight up. Like when you have all of a sudden an incredibly athletic quarterback who uh, is comfortable getting out of the pocket is comfortable throwing on the run. Like, Switch it up, man. Just try. <laughs> like, give, give us something uh, other than than what you've been doing, and, and see if it works. Uh, and it's just, it's just incredibly frustrating. Uh, I can't imagine what it's like to be a Bears fan right now. Uh, just the the levels I, I of care a little bit. <laughs> How does it feel to be a Falcons fan? Uh, yeah. yeah, man. Hey, I, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Football Outsiders has them with the worst offensive offense in the league. So. Even Jeez. in a, a, a game where the Bears manage one, 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 one passing yard, it still they still didn't, have a better offense for the season than the Falcons. Still didn't put them down. Wow. That's ludicrous, actually. Uh, all right. Let's get to the number one uh, note here in the four verse. The Panthers' defense is absurdly fun to watch. Uh, like I said, this this 
I don't know that people really saw this storyline coming. Like we sort of, you know, Phil Snow came with uh, from Baylor, you know, had been more of a defensive guy. It showed in uh, a lot of what they were doing last year that, uh, you know, is just not really translating. And and he figured something out. Uh, you know, I don't know. You're comparing it here to uh, Rex Ryan's defenses in New York and Baltimore, really crowding the line, uh, covering up uh, every gap. And, and uh, I like that because it reminds me, because a lot of what Rex did was, did was based on Buddy Ryan. Uh, you know, that's what I grew up watching. Uh, so I am super intrigued by this. But what like, why is this working? Is it is it purely the athleticism on the, along the line? Is it schematic? Like, wh- how did this happen? It's it's both. You know, I think that Phil Snow he's just done a really good job of realizing what he has and deciding how to you know change his defense accordingly. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, they, they you know if you play Madden uh, a lot and you know there's this one defense with the within the nickel print you know, set where, you know, you got both linebackers walked up on the line of scrimmage and uh, you can just run this play called mid-blitz where you just have six gaps covered on the line of scrimmage and everyone's coming and you're playing man coverage on the back end. And that's just kind of what uh, the Panthers' defense has been uh, for the better part of three weeks now. And it's just a lot of fun to watch because they're just bringing chaos in every single play. And you kind of have, like, this off-season, you know, image in your mind of what you want this defense to look like. And, you know, you go out and you grab uh, Hassan Reddick and you draft J.C. Horn. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, pair that with what you already have with Brian Burns and uh, Shaq Thompson. And then, you know, you got another guy like Morgan Fox who has come from the Rams and uh, has put together some really good tape as like an interior rotational guy. You get one of the, the fastest and most versatile fronts uh, in the entire league. And I think what's even helped them, what's helped them even more is you have like a chess piece safety like Jeremy Chin, who can play in coverage, but is also strong enough to play in the box, kind of wherever you need him to. They're, they're just getting super aggressive with their fronts. They're playing a ton of man coverage on the back end. And it's just fun to watch because this is a defense that clearly believes uh, that their players are better than yours. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm, I think they're going to have to make an adjustment with J.C. Horn potentially out for the season with uh, right. broken foot. But right. you know, they, they make the C.J. Henderson trade, which I think that this defense is pretty, uh, you know, aligned with what makes C.J. Henderson such, a, I guess, a tantalizing prospect out of Florida when you talk about uh, the man coverage opportunities and the opportunities to make a play on the ball. Uh, and they just really have a clear, concise vision of what this is going to be. And it's just going to be to punch you in the mouth until you do something about it. And, you know, I think that the Saints game was so impressive because they just were completely lost with the blitzes. Uh, I know that they had Eric McCoy, their center, out that week. But, you know, there's points in the games where they're just letting guys run right up the middle of the line of scrimmage because they're so lost with who's dropping, who's coming. Uh, Is everybody coming? Is nobody coming? And, you know, that's credit to Phil Snow. And their defensive backs, their defensive uh, fronts, being able to just play so aggressively up front. And you know, if you're a team, if you're someone who just likes to watch turnovers and sacks, like this off, this defense is hunting them uh, more than any other defense in the league right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, some numbers that suck out that you pulled. The Panthers have gotten sacks in a whopping 13.9 percent of their opposing dropbacks. So that's like one out of every six dropbacks. Uh, 
that this team is getting a sack. Like, I mean, just think about that within the flow of a football game. Uh, you know, if, if, if it's, if, if it's taking a team six downs to get a first down, like one of those times the quarterback's getting sacked, like that yeah. is just an incredible uh, level of efficiency. And then on third and fourth down, this defense is really good. Uh, 25% success rate for other teams and negative uh, 0.629 expected points per play, which is by far the best in the league. Uh, I think all those stats were from actually the, uh, those were from Ben Baldwin. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, those numbers are like, that's, that's just staggering. Uh, like this, I, <laughs> I, I feel weird saying this, but like, this Panthers team could be actually okay, right? Like, I mean, we're yeah. looking at a team that could be real. And there's, like, the the caveat of who they have played uh, mm-hmm. so far this season. I mean, you, you got the Jets, the Saints, and the Texans, which is eh. right. That Saints week one performance against the Packers is looking you know, faker and faker by the week. But, right. uh, but for, for the most part, like, they've done what they've been asked to do, and that's just clobber the other team. So – I'm really interested to see this game against the Cowboys on Monday because this right. is obviously going to be the best offense that they face. I mean, the Cowboys uh, are fresh off a performance where they should have scored you know, close to 50 points based on uh, the quarterback sneak that didn't count. But, you know, you, you, get a de- you get a team that's playing defense like how I play defense in Madden, which is, you know, I don't trust zones, so we're just going to play man. We're going to blitz. We're going to punch you in the mouth. And, uh, so far, it hasn't really burned them on the back end. You know, they're going to play a team, and maybe it's the Cowboys this week, uh, that has the talent to kind of win some of these one-on-one matchups. But uh, so far, so good, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, all right, let's go over to the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, first place in the AFC West. Uh, and again, for this this is a defensive story uh, for, for you, um, that what this defense is built, you know, like – you know what Derek Carr is, right? Like he's played at an MVP level at times before. It's usually short period. You know, like can he really carry an offense? Probably not. I don't think anyone really thinks that. But uh, a capable quarterback, right? Like Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Like this is not – like there is a formula here. Uh, but the defense is the key, I think, for uh, this team to really emerge and what are you seeing from them? You know, I, I, I don't know much about Paul Gunther, the, their defensive coordinator. I, mean, I know he's sort of from maybe the Zimmer tree. He's, uh, he's actually, he's not there anymore. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. not, that's not who it is. Who it is now. Gus, Gus Bradley is their defense. Oh, Gus Bradley. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Paul was uh, fired after last season. So. Gus Bradley is good. He's, we do know what he's doing. So what has he done to, to fix it? Um, I'm not sure that he's done so much, like schematically. To me, uh, a lot of it has been you know, Max Crosby playing like legitimately one of the best edge rushers in the league this year. Yeah, he's been uh, And also, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, that was a pretty good free agent signing on the other side, uh, where, you know, those guys have generated so much pressure that uh, that the other teams haven't really been able to get much going on the ground, or not on the ground, but, you know, through the air against them. I mean, even we saw week one against the Ravens where, you know, Lamar is still going to do some of his Lamar things. But uh, when these Raiders pass rushers have a clear advantage in terms of talent, like they're not uh, guys that are playing down to their talent level. Like they're 
you know, winning the matchups that they're supposed to be winning. Uh, obviously, you're supposed to win these against, uh, you know, the Ravens backups and uh, the Dolphins off the line, which has been just straight terrible to uh, start the season. And then you obviously you got the Steelers and Big Ben last week. So, you know, maybe <laughs> some of this is, uh, I guess, what, you know, one of my points was that I'm not quite sure how real this is, but like if the Raiders defense is for real, you know, this is a team that <laughs> they look like they could win the NF- or the AFC West because right. uh, the offense is playing really well. And I think that one thing that's kind of gotten lost over the past couple of years, just because like they have these plays where they just look straight futile, but uh, Derek Carr and, and John Gruden on offense, like they've really kind of figured this thing out and how to play together and even, you know, figure out how, figure out how to play efficient offense as they rotate through players uh, in terms of personnel. So, uh, I, I've been real impressed with the Raiders and I was also kind of surprised to see when I was doing a little bit of research on it, that they haven't won the AFC West with, or, or since 2002, which is utterly insane. Uh, at least, you know, to me, because you know, there was one year where they went six and zero against the division and they, I guess they still didn't win uh, the AFC West. Now, you know, you have a chance where, if the offense is going to play like it is and the Chiefs still look shaky and honestly the Chargers offense uh, is a little bit up and down, like you you have a chance to to go out there and, and actually you know win the division, which I don't think is somewhere that a lot of people saw them at the start of the year. You know, kind of seemed to me at least when we were getting started with the year, it was like they have a chance to win the division if Derek Carr and John Green just kind of play out of their minds. But you know those guys have kind of done what they've been doing over the past couple of years, but now it's a defense playing on playing well on the other side, which is something that you know we don't really associate with the Raiders over the past few years. Right. Yeah. I mean, two two overtime wins in their first three games, uh, you know, is like there's some luck that goes into that, right? Like you you just have to have things go your way. It's not super sustainable to play that many close games. Um, and the Dolphins are, yeah, yeah I think we're pretty much on record saying the Dolphins this year are not very good. So there is some concern that they let them back into this game. But, uh, you know, I, the Raiders are in most people's top five, I think, on power rankings. I took a brief look before we started recording and, uh, you know, deservedly so at this point, I think. Uh, all right. Anything else that we didn't get to from the four verts? Anything, any, any lingering thoughts here that we didn't hit on? Uh, no, I, I think uh... – I think we're all good. Big Ben, like, I'm serious, though. You should definitely think about doing yeah. <laughs> Big Ben, just think about all the stuff you could do with your life, man. Like, I, I don't know. Just, just relax somewhere. You know, yeah. You don't have to get tackled anymore. It's, it's over, man. It's over. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's buzz through the games. Um, chronological order, we'll just go with the debacle of Monday Night Football, uh, Cowboys 41 Eagles 21. Uh, the Cowboys are by far the best team in the NFC East. It's not even close. And I don't know, like, you know, as you, as we pointed out, uh, they'll face an interesting test next week, next week against the Panthers might, might tell us something about how good the offense could be. Dak Prescott certainly looks really good so far. Yeah. Uh, I think yesterday was, I guess more confirmation bias on my plan, my on my side that the Eagles are just not who we thought they were, especially from that Week One game against. Yeah, well, I think know. they they are who we thought we were from right. before that game. <laughs> yeah, right. So 
that week one game against the Falcons just kind of looks more like, uh, wow, Atlanta's really, really bad more than uh, the Eagles are good. And I think we've kind of seen them when they play these teams that are like legit NFC contenders that we think of, like the 49ers and the Cowboys have still come short. And, you know, the game against the Cowboys was just uh, a total disaster. Like, I don't even know if the 41 to 21 final score right. does it justice. I mean, they, they got thoroughly beat down. They never really had a chance. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys, to me, they, they kind of look like the, the NFC title contender that we were all thinking about when uh, we saw that Dak Prescott was coming back for the season. And, you know, I'm just amazed that Dak has been able to come back and be as effective yeah. Uh, as he's been because, you know, I, I would be horrified to get out there on a football field again after going through. What and he, he looked was. and he looked physically limited for a, like a lot of camp and, and preseason. And yeah. Even and the first like, week of the game. Yeah. The first, first half of Tampa Bay to start the right. season. I was like, oh, man, like, is this going to be a problem to start? Yeah. The whole season. But now he looks right back to where he was. Uh, he's just so accurate on the ball down the field. has the total command of the Cowboys offense. And then. Uh, their weapons on top of it are really good. And if they're going to be able to run the ball like they did yesterday against the Eagles, like that offense is going to be almost impossible to stop. And we talked about it before, but uh, getting to see that team against the Panthers uh, this coming Sunday is going to be a great litmus test for, you know, not only them, but Carolina when it comes to how good is this offense and how good is that defense. Right. Yeah. Uh, as for the Eagles, you know, I think they're probably a team that is, contemplating that QB of the future question with Hertz regressing a little bit. I mean, like you said, that that first week game sure feels like fool's gold all around for the Eagles. Um, their, their offensive line has been decimated. They didn't have Jordan Milata, uh, their left tackle yesterday. And then, uh, you know, they were, they've been without Brandon Brooks for the entire year. Uh, you know, just a lot of instability on that line and, working in younger players at wide receiver, like who knows if it's really a fair assessment of, of Hertz at this part point, but um, you know, this Eagles team, and I think they have a really rough slate coming up. Uh, Chiefs, Panthers, Bucks looks like. Uh, so this team could be <laughs> on the track to have a high draft pick uh, pretty quickly, I think. Um, all right. Green Bay. Uh, beats the Niners thirty to twenty eight. This was a fantastic game. Just yeah, uh, a lovely football game. And then you knew at the end it was just going to be all right. Here we go again. Right. Was, it, he gave him thirty seven seconds left, and uh, Rogers did it again. Got it done. I, I also just want to say, like I, I don't really prescribe to the thought that you can score too fast in situations like this because. Mm-hmm. The defense gets paid too, okay? Right. You just want to score. You just want to do it. How about we (laughs) get stopped? Are we really saying that we scored too fast when we left 37 seconds left on the clock? Come on. Like, the defense needs to step up in that situation. And not even really make a play. Just can you stop them from going the length of the field in 37 seconds? Like, is that really such a tall task? And if it is, Maybe we need to reconsider like some of the rules on offense <laughs> or, or something. If we're, if we're if we can't even let a defense sit there and sit back and play prevent for thirty seconds and, and try to win the game, right? Uh, but in general, you know, it was it was a it was a real fun game to watch. Uh, I was kind of hoping that we would get more Trey Lance, but I think towards the end of the game, Jimmy made some nice throws to 
kind of save his career as a 49ers maybe because, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like he's going to be the guy to unlock this offense for its, mm-hmm. you know, for right. all of its glory and uh, how good we know that Kyle Shanahan can be or uh, scheme up a run game, even though uh, they really didn't do anything on the ground uh, against uh, Green Bay. It just kind of seemed yeah. like they need an extra boost on offense and, Jimmy right. did just enough this week to hold that, you know, those thoughts and the the clip, the Trey Lance chance off for another week. Right. Yeah. Lots of injuries uh, for the Niners at running back. I mean, the running game clearly is not working the way that Shanahan wants. And I, I think it was Steven who wrote prior to the season that uh, there may be sort of like an Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick transition plan type going, going on with, uh, the way that the 49ers run this season, uh, I think that we're, I don't think they're going to have any choice, but to show more Lance, right? Like they're just going to have to give him more opportunity if they really want this offense to work at a different level as they go on. But I, I think as we discussed, Shanahan is a guy can, who can get away with being patient and working it in as he goes. Like he's earned that uh, through the years. So um, we'll see where they go. Uh, where are we at now? Oh, Vegas, Miami. We talked talked about the uh, Raiders. You are on record saying that you don't care about the Dolphins at all this season, so I, we can just skip it if you want. I don't. We don't even need to talk about the Dolphins. Uh, I don't. I don't really have much to say about this Dolphins team until two gets healthy. Uh, I think they should be like a little bit alarmed that uh, Jacoby Brissett seems to be able to make plays that Tua cannot. But on the down to down basis. You know, you'd definitely rather have two in there because up until the end of the game, they they didn't get anything going. And you're talking about a few big completions at the end, and Jacoby Brissett still finished with 4.4 yards per attempt. Um, what is there to say really about this? Yeah, Uh, Minnesota 30, Seattle 17. Uh, Man, this feels like two teams that are a little stuck. I don't, you know, uh, I just, like, I can't really feel much about either of these teams. I feel like Seattle probably has a better long-term prognosis, but that the Pete Carroll thing, like, uh, you know, he's been a fantastic coach for a long time in the NFL, but, you know, it's unclear if he's really figuring it out at this point. Um, The defense was not great at all uh, against the Vikings. Anytime you make Kirk Cousins look really good, like, you – you are you are uh, watching a lot of film the next day and trying to figure out where you went wrong. I think. Yeah. Uh, wait, I, I I got lost for a second. Which game were we talking about? The uh, the Vikings uh, Seahawks game. Yeah, I was I, I was kind of disappointed because I thought that this game was going to end up being weirder than it was. <laughs> Usually, whenever these teams play, like something insane is happening. Like whether it's like Kirk Cousins throwing a, a football backwards, uh, I think which happened last year. Or, you know, these games just seem, like, tend to come down to the last second. Uh, and this was just not that. The the Seahawks defense is in the danger zone. Because I know that, that – Yeah, Kirk big was, time. Kirk Cousins has definitely grown accustomed to that offense and, you know, the play calls. And, and it's a pretty fine-tuned machine. But letting him just run down the field, like, oh, up yeah. and down, no, no questions asked. You, you should definitely be alarmed on that. And on the flip side, you know, the, the Seahawks, they, they were able to ha- get that passing game going and, and really just the whole offense in the first half. But 
in the second half, like they kind of sputtered out against a defense that is not all that good. And, you know, Everson Griffin came to life uh, for them at times, but uh, this defense for the Vikings is not like this insurmountable foe like it has been in the in the past. Right. Uh, you know, the Seahawks, they just kind of look uh, a little bit disjointed right now. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't get all that much easier in the next two weeks for them because uh, on Sunday they go to San Francisco and, and play uh, the 49ers, and then they have a Thursday night game against the Rams later that week. So this is a uh, th- this is kind of like get real or go home time for Seattle because if you're coming out of this uh, at one and four after the first five weeks, and you know you're already playing in a tough division like the NFC West, you know, this little stretch of games can definitely make or break their season. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Just feels like. Uh... Seattle does not have answers this year. I don't, you know, they're obviously working in a new offense. Um, you know, Ken Norton and, uh, and you know, they've figured it out other years, but I don't like, it just feels, especially in their division too. And the NFC West is so tough this year. Um, there's just some, there's, there's instability uh, with the Seahawks that makes it feel like this is a little bit of a different season for them. Uh, so to kind of see how it goes from here. Uh, Rams, 34. Tampa Bay, 24. Um, this game, I you know, Matthew Stafford, man. Matthew Stafford has just opened up that offense in exactly all the ways we talked about. Uh, he can just make throws that Jared Goff was not even thinking about making, and it has made a huge difference. Um, I mean, he's just – just been exactly you know it's it's rare in sports that something goes exactly the way you predict and i I just think it has it's been like what we thought would happen yeah uh there's uh there's been you know i'm not the first person to to say this but there's been like an unlocking 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 i like it a a portion of of sonic face office has been unlocked that he didn't have with jared goff and that is uh, just a straight drop back passing game. Cause you know, a couple years ago, uh, whenever Jared Goff had his big year with the Rams, where he went to Super Bowl, I want to say it was 2018. Uh, you know, he, he, he threw, you know, most of his under center passes were play action to the point where like it was over 90% of his uh, under center passes were coming via play action. And, you know, now McVay is at a point where everything's on the table and he doesn't have to do that where, you know, obviously, you've had years with Jared Goff where the offense is uh, successful and you can get far in the playoffs. But there's also points where uh, you know you just kind of need a quarterback that can do a little bit more. And I think that that's where Matthew Stafford has made life easy for him, where you know he doesn't have to worry about making sure that everything is set up for success. You can take some risk uh, down the field. And I think that that Bucks game. This is a perfect example of that. Like, how many deep bombs did they throw to Deshaun Jackson before uh, they finally hit on one? You know, it's just right. a more confident play caller, like someone who's more confident in what he's seen uh, from his guys. And I think that it's just produced a brand of football that is so explosive and so much fun to watch. I mean, they're sitting back and throwing, you know, twenty yard heaters on first down and uh, coming down with the ball, and, and uh, when they try to, when they have to do. The play action stuff it's just impossible to stop because you can't stop the shotgun stuff you can't stop the drop back stuff uh you have to be aware of everything on the field at once and 
the arm strength and the deep accuracy for Stafford has just uh, it, it's it's really one of the more perfect marriages between you know scheme and Coach play caller and yeah. quarterback talent that I've I can think of in, in recent memory. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, truly impressive. Um, the Bucks, yeah, like I don't know, is anyone really worried about this football team? Like, uh, might need some secondary help. Um, like, but this is their first loss in I think ten games since like late November of uh, twenty twenty. It happens, right? Like it's it's NFL football. Like this is still, uh, you know, the 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 second best team in the league uh, in pretty much everyone's power ranking. So I don't think there's any. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned if I'm a Bucks fan. Like, yeah, I know that they probably didn't play well as well in offense as they wanted to, but hey, you know, you, you kind of ran into a team that is just as good as you are, and. Uh, hopefully the next time you play, if that comes in the playoffs, you're a little bit more prepared for uh, being able to play some of those deep passes. Right, right. Uh, the Denver Broncos, uh, continuing our theme of really impressive defenses, uh, Denver 26, Jets 0. I mean, obviously the Jets offense is a, a, an absolute mess right now, but uh, a lot of that had to do with how well Denver's defense played. I mean, this team is another one that's like, well, like it's just smartly put together. Like, you know, the offense has a lot of decent weapons uh, and the defense is ferocious. Uh, and Teddy Bridgewater is sort of running the offense in a way that that gives this team a, a good path to victory. So, uh, you know, like it's, this is I think this is a legit competitor at this point. Yeah, uh, they look really good. And, uh, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do, which is shutting out a horrendous offense at home. <laughs> uh, I mean, as far as the Jets, I don't uh, – what is there to say about this? Uh, right, I mean. You, you you just don't look anywhere – and I don't want to say that there should have been, like, great expectations on the Jets uh, coming into the season, but you just don't look anywhere near the part that fans and some analysts thought you were going to where I, I thought that they weren't going to be good, but they'll put up a fight at least, you know, like the past right. two weeks – you scored what six points? Uh, you're you're getting outscored fifty-one to six over the last uh, two weeks. Uh, I mean, your your quarterback has turned the ball over. Your offensive line can't block. Don't really have much of a running game. Corey Davis has a major case of the drop season. I mean, you you've, you haven't scored a touchdown since week one. Uh, it's not right. looking good. I understand why fans are frustrated. I tend to believe that. Some of this will work its way out by the end of the season, but this is a year where, like, you were hoping that you would at least look competitive while you were losing, and that's just not the case. So, yeah, uh, hopefully, we don't have to talk about them for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna ask you, I mean, being around, like, you got pretty bad with the Gase, like, that was you know, this this organization was just sort of a mess, right? Like, I don't know how much of this is an echo of that, like. Just uh, feels like Salah deserves a little bit more time to. I mean, Adam Gase, he had a hand in picking the the GM Joe Douglas, so right, right. Uh, not fully clean of the Adam Gase era. You just gotta hope that Joe Douglas is his own person and it's not a complete disaster. But even with him, they, there are some eyebrows you can raise at how they got to this point, and how they're so bad. Right. Uh, Baltimore 19, Detroit 17, continuing the uh, theme of the Lions just being incredibly uh, pesky and uh, like 
they play as if their coach tells them to bite people's kneecaps off. So uh, that's sort of exactly what we thought. The Ravens, uh, a little sloppy. You know, they obviously needed Justin Tucker to hit a NFL tying uh, 66-yard field goal to make this game happen the way it did. And they also needed, what was it, fourth and 19? I can't remember how it was. But it was they needed a long conversion to, to even get there. Um, so, yeah, probably – worrisome with the Ravens mostly for this game, right? Like just that it's still not all the way together. Yeah. Uh, this is, this score, I think it could have been worse because Hollywood Brown just like inexplicably dropped two touchdowns. Uh, right. That would have made the score a little bit worse, but you know, I guess like my main takeaway from this is not really with the Ravens, but more with the Lions. Like, Hey, like if you're a Lions fan, this is, not a bad spot to be in as far as like your rebuild goes. Uh, you know, they, they kind of face some of the same questions as, uh, you know, the Steelers and the Falcons with what are you going to do at quarterback long term? Because it doesn't seem to be a, a clear answer out there. But basically, in all three of your losses against teams that we had deemed contenders before the season, the 49ers, Packers, Ravens, you've been competitive with all of them. Right. Uh, but you're still losing to maintain that, that draft capital that you're going to need. To really, really <laughs> it's a perfect. It's a perfect process. I love right, it. It's a perfect process. They got it's, it right. They got it right. It's not like the Jets, where you are just like completely futile, and you're like, oh god, this feels the same as the other times that we've done this. But uh, you're 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 close. Like you're a freak field goal and a missed delay of game away from beating right. the Ravens yesterday. Uh, and the Packers, you played them well in the first half. The 49ers, you almost came back from. A forty-one to ten deficit and won the game. I mean, these are kind of the strides that you want to see if you're uh, a fan of the Lions. And again, you're still losing. And you're still keeping that draft capital. So hopefully, this is a team that in the coming years uh, under Dan Campbell can kind of get back to playing real football. Uh, right. But you know, for the Ravens, it, you just kind of got to survive and advance every week while your team is banged up and while these guys are out. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, Lamar made. One play that you needed uh, on that fourth and 19 throw, even though Sammy Watkins almost screwed it up by staying in bounds. Uh, <laughs> and then they got the 66-yard field goal from Justin Tucker, which was super improbable and super lucky because it bounced right off the upright and, and went right. in. But, hey, a make some make, and the Ravens live to see another week. Yep. Uh, we're not talking about this Falcons-Giants game, right? Oh, no, no, no. Falcon, no. Falcons 17, Giants there's, 14. There's nothing to say. Worst uh, I mean, football game I've ever watched in my entire life. Who are these guys going to draft? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I cannot. Uh, the thing I don't understand is, like, are they, why are they not just feeding Kyle Pitts? Like, I don't understand why you draft Kyle Pitts and then trade away Julio Jones. If you're not saying like, we're ready to give Kyle Pitts a ton of targets and we're just, no, gonna, we're going to dare, we're going to Darren Waller this guy, right? Like just, Come like, on, why not? I, I don't know. They don't know. It's just, I mean, uh, they're just out here vibing around. I just, so, love, I, I just love just how vibes. you, you, you don't do anything with Kyle Pitts until like half right. of the fourth quarter. And you're like, ah, oh, damn it. We need some offense. Where's where's that side right. who drafted fourth overall? Where's he at? Uh, and then one of the plays where they, they throw it to him, it's on a corner route where you got Jabril Peppers line up in man coverage, and 
I mean, Kyle Pitts looked like Usain Bolt just ran right past him, got wide open uh, on his route after the cut and caught the ball. And then you're just like, oh, wait, <laughs> we have Kyle Pitts on our team, of course. Uh, and then, you know, they're throwing it up in the end zone, drawing DPI on him because he's just too big and strong for the defensive back. Uh, and then they get to the one-yard line and they're able to score a touchdown. Like, wow, like that can be – the, like that can be the blueprint for you. Just throw it up to the guy who drafted fourth overall. Yeah, your evaluation of him was not wrong. Everyone sees how good he is. Just give him right. the ball and let him work. Yeah, I mean, there's like that clip going around. I, can, I don't even remember what game it was, but he like sort of ran like a little slant from the slot, and like Ryan delivers the ball like five yards behind him, and Pitts grabs the ball and continues like he somehow turns around makes the catch and continues running forward. Like it's, it's just an absurd display of athleticism that like, I don't know how you don't just immediately build into your offense. uh, Like consistently that you just do that a lot. (laughs) Like there's no, there is no stopping that. Uh, And they just haven't done it. Um, Bills 43, the football team 21, Josh Allen finally looked good again. uh, But, what is going on with the football team's defensive line that was supposed to be so good and, and Chase Young in particular? I mean, like, this not showed up for the year. Just I really not- don't. I, I I wish I had a better answer besides, like, I just don't understand why they're not getting home in the way that we expect them to because it's not like – I don't think these guys have gotten much worse. Uh, right. They, they just haven't been able to get going for whatever reason. And, you know, uh, to me, this kind of goes back to a concern that you know, me and some other people had last year with them is Jack Del Rio was not actually like doing a good job as defensive coordinator. He just kind right. of got lucky by having, by having oh, those guys. you know, Alabama defensive line plus Chase Young is working in the NFL. Wow, that's shocking. Uh, and that is not working so far this year. And he hasn't really done much to alleviate the pressure that those, you know, the pressure of those guys not getting pressure. Uh, which is his job as the def- defensive coordinator. I mean, they, they aren't completely bare in the secondary. You got guys like Kendall Fuller, uh, Cam Curl, Landon Collins. Like, these are guys that can play. William Jackson, who you signed up for agency this year. I mean, these are these are guys who have had success in the NFL. I just don't know if they're being put in the right spots where that's possible. And then, you know, I, I think on the flip side, you also just got a case where Buffalo's offense went back to looking like Buffalo's offense, and maybe the first two games of the season were not right. wholly indicative of who we know them to be. Uh, maybe it's not going to be you know what we saw yesterday, 358 yards, four touchdowns from Josh Allen every week, but uh, this is more in, in line with the Buffalo offense that we were expecting. The problem is the Washington defense has been uh, kind of inexplicably bad, and when you have – uh, a defensive line that's not performing and a defensive coordinator that is a little bit overrated, that's going to be tough for you to do it. Right. Uh, Arizona 31, Jacksonville 19. Uh, big takeaway for me is that Kyler Murray uh, ended up finding other receivers. Uh, you know, he's spreading it around. A.J. Green, I think, had over 100 yards. Christian Kirk had over 100. Like, uh, So Kyler Murray is playing well, and now he's has even more weapons. I mean, it just seems like this offense continues evolving uh, sort of what we were, what we were thinking, you know, the best case scenario is that Marie is having uh, these sorts of options and, and using his legs to extend plays and finding guys in this way. And 
it's it's working now. It's, and it's, you know, this is one of the better teams in the league so far. Uh, hold on. I, I cut out for a second. Uh, which, game, which game did we hit? The uh, the, the Cardinals-Jags. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kyle Murray is, is, is looking good. Uh, and, you know, it's another fun game from them. But holy crap, Jags, like. Yeah, I mean. Just <laughs> what, what what will it take for you guys to to relinquish Trevor Trevor Lawrence's contract right now? <laughs> I, I'm I'm not enjoying watching any of this. Uh, it just it, it, you know it, it reminded me of something that I said during the off season, which I think looks horrifically stupid right now. Was I thought that when you hire Urban Meyer. Some of the stuff that comes out of Jaguars, you know, the Jaguars building would be uh, bad. But for the most part, you know, you're looking at a team that on the field should look like a competent football team. And I, I thought that the game day operation would look like somewhat competent. But wow, like I was so, so off on that. And it's just worrisome that you have someone like Trevor Lawrence who we know to be super talented. I mean, we've seen him make talented throws this off or, you know, this season while mixing in, you know, a lot of, a lot of bad plays and, in, in, in risk and risk that he doesn't need to take, but man, like it's just so hard to see an Avenue where this team can kind of get things going because like you even get the rare special teams play of a 109-yard kick return <laughs> or a 109 return off a missed kick right before halftime to give you a 13-7 to lead, and then you end up losing 31-19. to I mean, this team is really, really bad, and I, I almost wonder if they, like, have the capabilities to build something around Trevor Lawrence just because, like, they haven't really looked competitive at all over the first yeah. couple weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's no no evidence that they have the capability to build something around Trevor Lawrence, just none. Like, I don't know. Let's, well, you and I will check back in like four years, and my guess is that Trevor Lawrence is in a before Deshaun Watson was was revealed to be a, t- a terrible human being. Uh, like he was looking to get out because he did not have he was not having any faith that the Texans were going to build something, and I think Trevor Lawrence may find himself in the same position right like just looking looking for a, a better spot to be so yeah um uh tennessee 25 indianapolis 16 at what point did the colts just bench carson Wentz so they can keep their first round pick now yeah i mean now i mean if i remember the, the owner is criticizing Wentz for not getting vaccinated uh like it's i mean he's hobbling around on two ankles quentin nelson keeps getting hurt like this is a bad situation for the Colts. Yeah, and here's I, I look. I know we're only at week three, but you know, there's a, a website out there called Tankathon, which mm-hmm. does I, you know, I think a, a, a really good job of keeping up with the NFL draft order. Like basically, as soon as games ends, they're updating the draft order each week. And if you want the argument for why the the Eagles or not the Eagles, the the Colts should bench Carson Wentz right now, right this week. If the season ended today, which, of course, ridiculous notion to even bring up with 14 games left for every team. If the season ended right now, the 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 Colts would be sending off the third pick in the draft <laughs> to the Philadelphia Eagles 
to you know <laughs> to have Carson Wentz. Yeah, to to, to, to have <laughs> Carson Wentz. Like you 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 have gotten off to that poor of a start. You're zero and three. Uh, you know, in the, if the draft were held today, the only teams that have higher draft picks in the Colts would be uh, Jacksonville at two and the Jets at one. Right. Uh, you're you've you're in a really dark spot, and I don't know what you have to prove to yourself by saying, "All right, we got to keep this Carson Wentz thing rolling because we traded for him. We got to keep trying." No, 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 no. Let Let's be mature about this. Uh, let's see what Jason Jacob Eason has to do. You already have a built-in excuse to put Carson on IR for a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll say he sprained both his ankles. It's hard for him to get around. Hey, that's plausible to me. It sounds plausible to you. I hope so. Uh, and then we can put Jacob Beeson in, and we can most importantly protect that first-round pick because all it takes is for him to uh, – what they can play 75% of the snaps. Right. So we're talking like basically play – like start and finish 14% uh, of the games – or not 14, 14, 14. sorry, you know, sorry, finish 14 games. Right. Uh, you can just end that right now. And really the only reason that they wouldn't do that is because Carson Wentz himself was someone who was just not trying to sit out ever, but they got to keep the long-term. No, view. yeah, of course. Right. They, they got to keep the long-term uh, view and focus here and sit him down because you, you cannot lose that first round pick for the quality of quarterback player you're getting right now. Right. Uh, Chargers, 30 Chiefs 24, passing of the torch, in my opinion. Herbert, now the best quarterback in the league, I think, right? Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Let's say that. <laughs> uh, he was good, though, and he's been good. Uh, I guess the question is how much concern should Chiefs fans have at this point? Uh, I would be really concerned if I was a Chiefs fan. Uh, not so much, like, with the offense, because I don't know, like – to me, you've just had some weird, unlucky turnovers. Right. right. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes throwing two interceptions in the game is not something that's going to happen all that often. And then, you know, you lose the Ravens game because of uh, the fumble uh, by Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like right as the game is about to end. To me, that's not stuff to get all too worried about because, you know, right. the, a fumble in that specific spot is unlikely to happen again just based on. You know, the rarities that you will, you are in that exact same situation uh, again during the season. And, and you know, basically any times Mahomes has a game that's not, like, perfect, I'm willing to just shrug it off because I've seen him just bounce back and play, like, 10 perfect games in a row or whatever. The defense is something, like, to actually get concerned about because it doesn't seem like a lot of these pieces fit together. Uh, and... Right. You know, even with an offense that is as good as the Chiefs, if you're in a spot like where you have to keep, you know, scoring 30, 35 points per game, uh, right. close to 40 points per game, in order for you to stay competitive and win these games, that's a, a really not fun place to be, even if your offense is loaded with, you know, future Hall of Famers and Pro Bowl talents right now, right. Uh, all, all across the field. It's just, you know, you would just like something that is a little bit more secure, but this isn't a, a death toll for the for the the Chiefs or an opportunity where you're going to say, "Oh, they're going to miss the playoffs." Like, no, like this is a team that's still going to win a ton of games this year. Uh, a one and two start is a little bit of a hole for them, and you know they're technically last place in the AFC West for now, but they just have too much talent to uh, not rebound and not make the playoffs. But I think it's fair to wonder. You know, once you hit the playoffs, how much of a liability is this defense going to be? And for the first time 
in a while, like our margin for error is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller by the week, it feels like. Right. Uh, yeah, I went back and read. Steven did a big breakdown of like what Spagnola did to make the Chiefs defense work a couple years ago, the, the Super Bowl run, uh, and how he took the pieces and, and fit it together. And I, my takeaway sort of after going through it again was like it's a complicated defense. Like there's a lot going on. Uh, he – had to have the right pieces then and you know whether they have the right pieces now like they're they've just never had like they don't have a natural pass rush at at all like most of the time like it's just not uh they don't have the players for it so uh, like i kind of feel like there's going to be that process of of making that defense work uh each season and figuring out what pieces he has and, and how they fit so we'll have to see if he can figure that out uh, as the season goes along, uh, Saints 28, Patriots 13. Uh, Jameis Winston got the better of, uh, gets the better of Bill Belichick, as we all saw coming. Um, you know, like the efficient little Winston games now, like they're, they're sort of entertaining. I think he only threw the ball like 20 times in this game, too. Yeah. Uh, sort of like, you know, they're just sort of, uh, it seems to be the way Sean Payton's playing it is that. If he can, he just wants to sort of restrict what he asks and then uh, unleash Winston when he needs throws to be made. Uh, and and it has worked in, in a couple of games now. Yeah. Uh, this I watched this game. It was, it was kind of a snooze fest. I mean, yeah. James had the one ridiculous play where he is, as he gets sacked, just throws it up blindly <laughs> to the back of the end zone. Somehow, uh, Marquez Callaway catches the ball. And, like, that's the catch 22 with James. Like, sometimes it's going to be a touchdown. Sometimes. It's right. not going to be a touchdown. Uh, and, uh, you know, you had that play, and it kind of seemed like Sean Payton may have got a little frustrated throughout the game because there's one drive where Taysom Hill just came in and just ran right. wildcat, like single-winged offense for a drive late in the game. Uh, <laughs> and got a touchdown. But, you know, the Saints, this is a game that they're supposed to win, especially when New England's offense is looking as – just terrible as it, as right. it is right now. I mean, it, the, the Mac Jones conundrum is it like if you liked Mac Jones, like you're right. seeing stuff that right. shows you why you should have liked him with, you know, the accuracy and, and some of the stuff he works for the pocket. But if you're not a fan, like this Patriot start is kind of alarming for uh, what's coming with the future because it's just so hard for them to get things going when the play breaks down because – you know, their whole offense requires such a level of precision that honestly I think is beyond the capabilities of a rookie quarterback for the most time. Uh, right. Where, you know, you don't have a lot of wide receiver talent. Your right. offensive line is shaky. And with Trent Brown out, that right tackle situation is straight out bad. And right. now uh, you have a rookie quarterback that already, you know, doesn't make a whole lot of plays on his own. Uh needing things to be more precise than most quarterbacks. It's just kind of a bogged down, slow offense, and it, it just doesn't really seem like they have enough juice on offense to get themselves to the playoffs again this year. I mean, right, right. Uh, that Bucks game is going to be tough. They play the Cowboys in the coming weeks, Chargers, Panthers, Browns. Right. Uh, so it's not like the schedule gets a whole lot easier. They just kind of got to figure a way to grit their teeth and, and get through this offensive slump. Right. I think you tweeted it, but like, you know, the, the scouting report on Mac Jones was just always that uh, he could 
get the ball to good players, right? And like the, the Patriots, they spent a bunch of money in free agency, but most of it went to Nelson Nelson Aguilar. You know, so they didn't they didn't actually fix anything. I mean, they spent some money on tight ends, but like this is not a situation where uh, like literally everybody Mac Jones threw to at Alabama is now a, like a number one or two wide receiver in the NFL. <laughs> like he had that level of talent that he was tossing to uh, and he was great at that. Um, but as soon as it, as you're saying, as soon as it turns into like a little bit more pressure on him to, to throw it to guys who are not beating their defender by three or four feet, like it's, uh, that's probably beyond him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is just sort of part of that process. Uh, Browns, 26, Bears, 6. We talked about the the horrible game plan here. I mean, the Browns. Yeah, I, obviously, on the Browns side, I, I don't really have anything to say. Like, Yeah, they're – I mean, this is – You could have put are. a baby at quarterback and they would win that game for the Browns. <laughs> they, they, had, they didn't have to do anything, so. Right. Uh, Bengals, 24, Steelers, 10. We talked about the Pittsburgh side. Are you a Zach Taylor believer now? No. No, 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 no. Come on, man. Uh, look, and you know, the worst part is there. there's a really good chance that after Thursday night against the Jaguars, the Bengals are 3-0, and and you just kind of have to eat crap for a few weeks until right. uh, they start entering the harder part of their schedule. But, no, I'm not a Zach Taylor believer because, you know, you got to play against <laughs> – you got to play against uh, – Big Ben's ghost this week. Uh, I still want to see more. And for the most part, it's just two seasons of straight crap of you not really being like, it, it seems like almost like not a present head coach, I guess. He's just kind of there. Like we know Zach, Zach Taylor is head coach of the Bengals, but beyond that, it's it, it could be anybody calling plays. Right. Uh, and I, I just want to see a little bit more, but hey, so far, uh, I think some of our concerns about Jamar Chase in the preseason were overblown because uh, he looks really explosive yeah. down the field. Obviously, he and Burrow have a great connection. Uh, I, I just good, good for him, man. Good for him, like figuring out how because we we talked about it. And he seemed really shook, like yeah, the season and uh, yeah. And I mean, I mean, even during training camp, Zach uh, right. Taylor had to come out and say like, "Hey, like we're still confident in this kid. This has been a rough stretch, right. but uh, he's going to figure it out." And so far, he has. I mean, uh, he's might be the only player or only receiver that's scored in every single game so far this year. Uh, he's just been a source for big plays, and that's what they really needed uh, since last year. And, hey, as much as uh, we talk about how their offensive line needs to held up, they did just hold the Steelers' pass rush to zero sacks uh, right. and only two tackles in the backfield last week. So maybe even that's an area of the game that's improving for them. Uh, and honestly, look, if 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 – Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase can keep this going. That's a fun team to watch, and I'll eat crow because more than anything, I, I like to watch fun football. So if they're a good team, then that kind of benefits everybody. Right, exactly. Uh, speaking of fun football, just kidding. Uh, Carolina 24, Houston 9. We talked about the Panthers' defense. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about Davis Mills and, and the Texans. No, no, just, no. Just no. is what it is. No, no, no. Uh, so let's – Close out. Uh, let's close out the show. Uh, give me your MVP so far. Who's who's the best? Who's the MVP of the season so far? Obviously, super limited uh, sample size here, but hmm. that's tough because I feel like we we haven't got like 
too many like dominant quarterback performances. But if I had to pick one, I guess I'd go with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, um, same. And I think that that's the easy choice right now just because right. that passing game uh, is just on a different level than it was last year. And then if I had, if I couldn't take Stafford, uh, I would go with uh, probably Kyler Murray just because yeah. I don't, I don't know that any quarterback in the league, including like Lamar Jackson can replicate what he's been doing with uh, the, the Cardinals. And, you know, I, I don't think that's to say that he's significantly better than uh, Lamar Jackson. To me, it's just more like, and any, anyone who's watched him and anyone who's seen him play would, I think would agree with this. Kyler Murray is a one-of-one one quarterback talent where right. – I, Look, I've stood next to that dude before at the Combine. I'm 5'11 I'm, <laughs> and three quarters, basically six feet. I've stood yeah. next to him. That 5'10 thing, it's not true. Right. Uh, I, I would guess closer to like 5'8". And the fact that he – you know, it's still funny that he has like the dimensions of someone that is – not an NFL quarterback, but then you watch him throw the ball. He's got one of the strongest arms in the league, and he's also one of the fastest guys in the league. He's the only guy doing that. So, you know, I guess I would do him uh, as my second MVP choice. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly my order. It was Stafford, uh, Murray. I think Aaron Rodgers had the clunker in, in week one, So it's but but he's been good since then. And, and Dak Prescott's been really good, um, you know, and he has so many weapons. So uh, I think he's going to continue to have a good season. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back, uh, you know, probably Thursday afternoon. To, uh, usually we've been getting getting these released uh, right around, you know, nice, nice little preview listening for the Thursday night game. Um, so we'll be back then. Find us on Twitter. He's at Fourverts. I'm at Chris Corman. Uh, you know, visit for the win. FTW.USAToday.com. I'm sure we'll have some, some nice NFL posts there. Uh, and we will check in with you next time. Thanks for listening. Take care. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.